You don't even like sports. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports, a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. Hey, everybody. Hey, Adam. Hey, what? What, Jeff? You don't even like sports. You know what? Here, I was. It's crazy that you say that because a thing I was just going to say to you is you don't even like sports. I wish we had somebody else to tell us that we don't even like sports. Well, we did have Jose Canseco. Yeah. At the beginning. I heard that. Oh, I heard that. That was the man, the legend, Jose Canseco. Not a myth because he's real. Not a myth. He's real. And he looks great in that video, let yep. me tell you. Shout out to Mike Talley. Shout out Shout out to Mike Talley for, for circumventing the <laughs> Jose Canseco denial. of, of Mike uh, Talley broke down the walls and now Jose Canseco wholeheartedly endorses this podcast. He at is the top all of in. Every episode. Thank you so much, Jose. We got to start really going for... Like we got to get Dennis Rodman to do it next. Yes, way. We should Jose. try to get every everybody on cameo that that we do a show on. We need to get. Yeah, Dennis. Yeah, De- I don't think Dennis Rodman is on there yet. He's on it, but he wasn't taking commissions when I last I checked. What's he, he got on. going on? He might take breaks. He might be doing spy shit. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he could be infiltrating uh, Asian governments. We yeah, never know. You don't know. He could be trying to do uh, the interview too. <laughs> This time it's personal. So when we last left off, Dennis Rodman finally kind of got his shit together and decided to play college basketball for the Southeastern Oklahoma State University Savages. That's um quite that's a, a team name. Interesting. They didn't even try on that one. No. They didn't even try to pretend. I mean, that's very Oklahoma. It's very Oklahoma. Yes. It's, I wonder if they're still called the Savages. I mean, I'm like we're, I like how we both were like, we should probably find that out. I, I would I would wager yes. Uh, I mean, I would guess. Let's see. Let's see. What can we get here? Come on. Athletics. Oh. I mean, if you just click on that, it's probably. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Of course I have an ad blocker on. Yeah. Really? 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 It's like the, their official college website is like ad blocker detected and it's like hey you're a college yeah why do you need ad revenue okay deal i i think they're the storm now yeah good for them are they though yeah i think they're the storm yeah it looks like they're the storm and i fuck with that i do always appreciate a team name that doesn't end in an s yes so i i actually extra like that a little bit so cool good one uh, they've changed their name. They're not the savages anymore. So good for them, but also that's a bummer. Yeah. So Dennis Rodman decides to go to Southeastern Oklahoma state university to play basketball. And if anyone out there wants to cry, go pick up a copy of noble, the unauthorized biography of Dennis Rodman, which is the same book we based the first episode on upon, uh, further research, by the way, they are the savage storm. <laughs> we still got the word savages in it savages storm the savage storm no keep it we got <laughs> we got ourselves a bit of part of our history we here. don't try to don't try to erase all history here <laughs> uh, oklahoma you go bet we gonna keep the word savages in here oh man and we gonna have a fricassee but yeah if if anyone feels like crying <clears throat> go read the story that kicks off the chapter about Dennis Rodman going to Southeastern Oklahoma state. This is the, this is us of Dennis Rodman biography chapters. It's the blind side. Basically. Yeah. If you ever saw that terrible movie, it's the blind side, but with a much better athlete. It's it, the, it's the dyed side. <laughs> I don't get it. Cause he dyed his hair, <laughs> but not by this point, Jeff. No. Oh. So basically what happens is he decides when he gets to Oklahoma, it's a summer school hasn't started yet. Yeah. So he decides he's going to coach in this summer basketball camp to make a little money, make a little extra, extra change Some scratch. And while he's doing this, he, he, he steals an, a he, bunch of watches. He robbed an airport. <laughs> yeah. No, just joking. He actually befriends this 12 year old boy named burn rich 
who had... I agree. We should. <laughs> we absolutely should. What an ironic name. And basically, Byrne had spent most of the previous year traumatized because he accidentally killed his best friend in a hunting accident. Jesus. So Dennis Rodman and this kid, for some whatever reason, strike up a friendship. And Dennis is like, you do that for me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, Kill uh, my family? Ronnie, you want to help me out? Yeah. Take me out? Let's go hunting together. They start like hanging out after every practice. And so he's going to be what, 19? Dennis Rodman would have been 20, I think, oh, by 20, this yeah. point. And this kid was actually Dennis Rodman, I think, was older than that. I think Dennis Rodman was closer to like 22 because he was 20 he when was he was 40. He was, <laughs> he was 20 when he worked at the airport. And he remember, he spent oh, yeah. a whole other year in between that time before oh. he did anything. Yikes. And so the, there's a 10 year age gap between these two, but they hit it off and they become friends. And it starts pulling this kid out of this out depression, of his, out of his doldrums that he's been in for 10 months because he accidentally killed his best friend yeah and so at one point he calls his parents and he's like hey i'm bringing home a friend from basketball camp and they're picturing him walking through the door with another little rich another little burn imagine having a surprise dennis rodman in your place (laughs) that's what they get a surprise dennis rodman seven a 20 something man hey (laughs) hello i'm dennis Rodman. rodman You guys Dennis, like, Dennis Rodman, man. Like Korean. The king. <laughs> hey, remember? It's me, Dennis Rodman. Oh, thank he you, does sound like Elvis. Why don't you pass some mashed potatoes, baby? <laughs> Have some French fried nanners. So they, he, he brings Dennis Rodman home, and Dennis Rodman ends up spending the night, and then he mm. just lives there for this like is, three months. This is like the, it comes off almost like the poor version of Michael Jackson. <laughs> Where instead of him having a mansion that people come to, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. He's like a mail order Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like from the outside, it sounds shady as fuck. Kind of shady. But the family like ends up, they just sort of see Dennis Rodman as another one of their kids. And they, this family, the, the rich family become a huge part of his story. Once he gets to the NBA and starts becoming a household name, this family ends up being kind of credited with raising him. He ends up living with them off and on for three years. I mean, it seems like a combination of probably being relatively good people and also being there as he's sort of fixing his shit. Yeah. Like, it's kind of unfair to his mom a little bit. Like, she tried. But it's his mom and it's a big sticking point between him and his mom still to oh. this day, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but it was they we, we talk about it a little more in a second, but it just gave him a like a landing spot when he got to this new place that wasn't chaos and unfamiliarity. Yeah. You know, he got to blend blend in with a family, but also very much not blend in because he's in southern Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, I mean, people thrive on structure and so and children's st- children thrive on structure very well. And some people that might suffer from arrested development. And I think we could probably classify Dennis Rodman might be in that world. I would think so. Yeah. Um, are going to benefit from that as well. Yeah. And the kid that he befriended, this like helped him tremendously. Because as Dennis Rodman spends more time in Oklahoma, he starts becoming a pretty big name around town. Savage name. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He, From a basketball standpoint, Dennis Rodman did pretty great in Oklahoma. Yeah. He moved back to the dorms when the school year started. This is a quote from Lon Reisman. One of the most coachable players I've ever been around. He never saw himself as the star. He saw himself as a team member. I I will sign up here that coachability is the number one factor in wanting somebody on a team. Like wanting to have, will they not, will they get you wins, but will they make it, make the team better? Right. And will they listen when you say something to them? And we on the most recent episode of unpops that will have uh, gone up the same week. This goes up. We talk a little bit about the XFL And one of the things that struck me immediately watching the XFL, they have all the quarterbacks mic'd up 
And that's a great way to figure out why a player isn't in the NFL. Oh, yeah. L.A., I don't even remember L.A.'s quarterback's name, but every play where he would, like, throw an incomplete pass or throw an interception, they would cut to him talking to the coaches on the sideline, and the coaches would be trying to tell him what he did wrong, and he'd be like, no, I did that. No, I did that. That guy just messed up. I did everything right. Yeah. And it's like, dude, will you just listen? Man, I apologize for shit I didn't even do. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sorry. I don't apologize it. for anything um, in Trump's America. But he works his ass off. Yeah, he, he works his ass off, and he he has this new family, basically, to spend time with. Things are going great when it comes to basketball, but you're not going to believe this, Jeff. Okay, I might. Things are a little racist in Oklahoma in the mid-80s. Oh, Oklahoma, where we're <laughs> racist as fuck. And Dennis Rodman got a lot of that from, uh, there's a lot of fucking rednecks there. Yeah, there are. And it's not and like boy, he was. That's like trying to tear down a, a god. Yeah. A fucking giant muscular. But it worked. He, he, they got to him. And so much so that at one point he very briefly quit the team, but was talked into coming back pretty quick. They're like, hey, don't. Yeah, like, don't blow millions of dollars because things are a little tough. Right. And there was also a weird incident where he ends up using the rich family's checkbook without their knowledge. So they, like, writing checks, barred him from their life for a little while. But then they let him come back because they genuinely fucking love this dude. It's pretty sweet. They saw his checking account later. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the criticisms of them is that they've... Like one of the businesses they run now is called Rodman Landscaping, or at least at the time. And like they wrote books and people were like, oh, you're profiting off your association with Dennis Rodman. Yeah, he profited like, off of our his association with us. Yeah, he profited. And also that mom is like a, a psychologist and a therapist. And she's like, like say what you will, but her family is the one that kind of got Dennis Rodman on the straight and narrow and like got him settled in and focused enough to actually make it to the NBA. And she let her kid murder that other kid. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's, that's, that's a whole thing. Sick burn. Sick to say. Pretty sick burn. Uh, so yeah, the, this whole family thing, like I said, is a huge sticking point with Dennis Rodman's mom. Yeah. She was very she resentful. She shit for a long time. She did, and in some cases, deservedly so, but it was a two-way street. Dennis Rodman was a real handful, as we discussed in L Literally the for the first episode. 18 years. <laughs> just a little handful. A tiny little, <laughs> little guy. tiny little guy. A little handful of Dennis Rodman. Put him in my pocket. Baby Rodman. He's a little baby. So... After college, I don't want to spend too much time on his college career. He was good. I don't want to spend too much time about what happened after college. Yeah. And that's the show. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yada, 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 champion. One thing led to another Chicago Bulls, it's goes whole, to North Korea. The whole last thing. You don't yeah. want to hear about it. You don't want to hear about how he gets to North Korea from here. Back to Southeastern <laughs> Oklahoma State University. Let's talk about his stats. Savage ball. <laughs> But if you want, like, read the book. We're still uh, working our way through the book from the last episode, uh, which I just plugged earlier. It's called No Bull, the Unauthorized Biography of Dennis Rodman. Lots of stuff in there about his college years. Uh, lots of fun sports stories that listeners of this podcast would care very little about, probably. Oh, yeah. They don't unless even you, like sports. Unless you want to hear about some intense rebounding. I do. I do. I was a rebounder when I played basketball. Can you believe it? I, I can. So he does great in college. After college, he's invited to a bunch of these pre-NBA draft camps that teams use to basically scout new talent. And the concern is, you know, he's an NIA player. Yeah, he won't be able to, to match up with these guys. Right. He's been playing in a lesser league, and now he's going to be faced with far, far better talent and will he still thrive in that environment? Jokes on them. He does. He dies on. <laughs> he got floor. murdered. He yeah. got stabbed. He does great. Yeah, he does. He even uh, snags an MVP in one of those camps. Wins an MVP in one of the camps. He's the rebounding leader in one of the camps. Yeah. So it 
he puts on a really good show. A really good show. So in the span of about two, two years, and, yeah. two and a half to three years, he goes from stealing watches at the airport to being on the verge of the NBA draft. We've all been there. Who among us hasn't been there? Who among us hasn't been caught pilfering <laughs> medium watches at the Houston airport to becoming a relatively highly picked member of the Detroit Pistons? It was the Dallas airport, Jeff. I thought it was Houston. Mm-mm. My bad. Ah, shit. God damn it. Podcast is over. So it. he declares for the 1986 NBA draft. Which oh, I know that one. We could have done a bonus episode on that draft. Yeah. That, that one, one was a barn burner. Oof, let me tell you, as a Celtics fan, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, that we, is we the, had something and that then is we lost something. The night the Celtics died. Yeah, we didn't recover. F- well, I mean. Won a few championships. Yeah, we still did okay yeah. a little bit, but. Yeah, the 1986 draft for people who don't know, and there's a, if again, if you're ready to cry, there's a great 30 for 30 about this. Yeah. But the player chosen first in the draft that year was Len Bias. A dominant player. Who like was, he was set to be. He was Michael Jordan good. Yeah. He was crazy good. And he gets drafted first by the Celtics who traded away a bunch of shit to get him. Smartly. Smartly. And then, but uh, here's the thing: he has great lungs, massive lung capacity. So he did a rail of coke that must have been championship sized. Well, what, what it was coke doesn't in, impact your lungs. It was his heart. It I was gave just him because he could. Oh could yeah, inhale deeply because them. Yeah, them thick thick lungs. It, but he just he he died. His yeah. heart exploded. He overdosed, and it that like. That was the most successful anti-drug yep. moment of my life as that, a child. That was the that was a uh, like a watershed moment for the war on on drugs. Yeah, um, it was sort of like when Magic Johnson got AIDS. Right, like it was like that level of like well, maybe not the same level, but like the cultural awareness that sort of rolls up. Yeah, because it was right as the crack epidemic was kicking off. That was like eighty five, eighty four, eighty five, eighty six. So eighty six, Len Bias dies on draft night but dennis rodman got drafted yeah he did 27th which ain't not too shabby 26th if you knock them all up once after <laughs> the len bias thing yeah which still doesn't put him in the first round but, but so close yeah he was drafted third third in the second round that's crazy third pick in the second round and there's a, a story about how the pistons at one of these camps the camp that happened in chicago their team doctors talk to him because at this camp that final camp he played like shit and he like almost couldn't get up and down the court and they were like what is wrong with you and they find out he's just got asthma and that he just doesn't take care of it that well and they're like that's that's pretty easy we can deal with that how about we don't tell anybody and they'll just think Dennis Rodman I mean, that's bombed, smart, right? and he'll probably drop a little in the draft, and we'll get him in the second round, and that's exactly what happened. So, What a discovery, you know? Yeah, and it really is, because he's, he's one of these players who, I mean... He, he's the best bargain in that draft, I'd say. Oh, for sure. And he's one of these players who just consistently gets better and better and better. That's actually part of it that... In basketball, you know, you see the, the peaking usually ha- hits around uh, 26. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this, for him, it's the peaking hits around, what, 31? Yeah. Like he, well, he really gets a stride. I mean, he really gets going kind of early on with yeah. the Pistons. It takes, like, his first season, he mostly comes off the bench. Now, I will say this, because we're about to really get into the Pistons stuff. Um, the Pistons 30 for 30 is legitimately my favorite sports documentary of all time. It's a good one for it's sure. Fucking um, it's like it's the longest one, I think. It's like two and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, it's long, lengthy. But it's so fucking good. Like it's fascinating. Yeah, this this entire team, like their story is crazy. And just the way this team the way they played. It was uh, dirty and smart. It was, and in this book, they they talk about Dennis Rodman would study those things. Like once he got rebounding down, he was like, "Well, what happens if I push a guy at the right angle when he's falling from the sky? What what's that going to do?" And like he would actually study how to 
kind of secretly be a dirty player. Those air hip checks that you do. Yeah. Or like grabbing a guy's arm without the ref noticing, like he would like practice that kind of shit. I mean, that's, it's weird because it's fundamentally against the rules of the sport and also fascinating. Yeah. And there's like, they're not the only team to have engaged in that kind of thing. No. Uh, you know what the other team did? Uh, all of them. All of them. But another notable example for me is all of those Kobe Shaq Lakers teams. Like a lot of those points where Shaquille O'Neal just elbowing motherfuckers in the sternum. Oh, sorry, I was just so tall. Sorry, I'm just so big. I just kick his shoulders swing my arms. I'm going to record with the foo schnickens after this. Oh, Kobe, how about dick taste? <laughs> he Remember said that? ass. Oh, did he say that? Yeah. He's not crass. Come on, Jeff. Whoops. So that first season, the Pistons managed to make it to the playoffs and unexpectedly made it to the conference finals. What? Where they almost beat the Celtics, except this happened. This was the D- the bird to DJ? Yeah. Thomas wants to get it in quickly. The play we just listened to, the Pistons had essentially won the game because the Celtics just lost the ball out of bounds. All they had to do was inbound the ball. There were, I think, six, seven seconds left. All Isaiah Thomas has to do is inbound the ball, and the game is over. And Larry Bird steals the inbound pass. Tosses it to DJ. Tosses it to Dennis Johnson. Who just kind of just whoop, just sit in game win and layup. So that ends the Pistons run and then destroys Isaiah Thomas, by the way, like that really messed with him. And, and then Dennis Rodman, despite being a rookie, goes off in dramatic fashion in his postgame interview where he's basically asked about the Celtics and he says the not only are they not a great team, but Larry Bird is not a great player. He's not the, he says he's not he the he's best player. Not the NBA. best player. And they say, well, who is the best player? And he says Magic Johnson. By the way, a strong stance to take after the guy just intercepted your inbound pass to beat you in a game. Right. To say that he's not the best. It's like, well, I mean, maybe you might want to not put yourself down so much on this one. Yeah, but that you see this being a thing with Dennis. Dennis Rodman seems to have a, a bit of a problem with impulse control. Sour grapes. Yeah, it pulls him in really quick and this whole team did kind of but we'll we'll get to that but in this interview he he says well magic johnson's the better player and magic johnson got robbed of the mvp last year and the reporter says well larry birds won three mvps and dennis rodman says because he's white that's the only reason he gets it yowch i mean maybe not in this case if like bill lambeer got it i'd be like hey maybe not right but like Larry Bird it's was Larry. Pretty, pretty good. Larry Bird was great with a destroyed back. Yeah. Larry Bird would do shit being like, I'm going to shoot only with my left hand and fucking own motherfuckers. Yeah. Larry Bird was fucking great. Yeah. Larry, he was, I mean, magic was great too, but. Right. They both were. Know, and they were, you know. Yeah. They, they basically brought basketball back in the eighties. Like yeah. basketball they brought was. brought it back skitball. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand wordplay. Even crazier, though, is after, it, while still in the locker room after this game, Isaiah Thomas gets word of what Dennis Rodman has just said. And up to this point in history, Isaiah Thomas is just this soft-spoken, no-controversy yeah. kind of guy. And they ask him after the game about Dennis Rodman's comments. And Isaiah Thomas says, I think Larry is a very, very good player. He's an exceptional talent. But I'd have to agree with Rodman. If he were black, he'd be just another good guy, which I mean, that's controversial as fuck. Yeah. I mean, that's it's kind of like they're purposely leaning into the heel. Well, that's what you see this team that Dennis is on do over the years. They they own it. They they own it. And for a while, they're very successful at it. They they ended up like. 
I mean, they're selling posters where it's like the bad boys. I had a bad boys t-shirt when I was a kid and I was a fucking Bulls fan. We got to get some of those. Yeah. Somebody get some, get us some of those big head, little body <laughs> 1980s NBA shirts. Oh, uh, the one, the Illinois state lottery used to do Chicago bulls, big head, little body t-shirts every year. Uh, Celtics cash. We and had, I, yeah. I got one every fucking year. Seeing green, I believe was the <laughs> name of our scratch tickets that we had for those. I don't know. I what. would fucking kill for those right now. Yeah. I would love to have, one I of came across shirts. a bunch at a Buffalo exchange, but they were like crazy. Expensive. They were like $40 a piece. Oh, that's nuts. Then again, I want it. So like, I'm like, oh, let's see if they still have them. Yeah. I just don't like white t-shirts that much. So Larry Bird was relatively cool about this. He said, it's a free world. We're not in Russia. You can say what you want to say. You don't have to like it. But another quote from him, and I shit you not, this is a verbatim quote. I very much like being white. <laughs> I mean, that can be like, is that taken out of context? Or no, like, I think he said, I'm very, very happy I'm white. When he was asked about I mean, Dennis Rodman's comments after. What's he supposed to say? Yeah, what do you say in that situation? Also, like, same. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, <laughs> I'm playing life on easy mode. What do you want me to be like? I wish things were worse. Right. Like, yeah, man, I'm I'm all right with it. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm better than other people, but I definitely think it's easier to be this. <laughs> like... I'm not superior, but like I think I think society demands that we recognize that it's easier. Yeah, I mean, That's, I'm not gonna disagree a, with the big conversation we've been having for a yeah. few years now. Speaking of white boys, what's former? Speaking of white boys with shitty opinions, what's perennial Cheers guest star Kevin McHale got to say about this? Adam, someone ought to hang Dennis Rodman from the Silver Dome ceiling and slap the shit out of him. Here's the thing, Kevin. Half of that is perfectly okay to say. <laughs> and surprise, it's not the cursing half. Right. You're not supposed to say somebody should hang a black man from anything. No. Ever. No. Even the slap the shit out of him is fine. Slap the shit out of him is fine. That's the good half of that <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Crazy. That'll still get you a PG-13 or a PG even at that time. But I, I, I mean, there was no blowback for kevin McHale over that it was a different time look man we insulated those guys real tight yeah there was no twitter <laughs> exactly it was just another episode of cheers yeah that's the thing like this you would only hear about this stuff if you were watching sports news and like not a lot of people had cable at the time right like cable yeah. wasn't as Still widespread as we like to pretend so yeah. unless you're in boston or detroit there's not you know we really do take for granted how much options we have for TV watching. Oh yeah. It's depressing how it's much fucking bananas it is. It's crazy. Do you know how much unsolved mysteries I've been watching lately? It's just available for free on an app. Nuts. I can't believe it. I'm so afraid now of everything. Uh, so he finally becomes a sometimes starter and sixth man late in his second season, which is great by the way. Yeah. We sixth. say finally, but that's really good. Well, no, that's yeah. what I mean. I mean, he, you know, he made it. Yes. Not that it took him long. And the Pistons make it all the way to the NBA Finals. They were up 3-2 in the series, and in Game 6, they were ahead by three points with less than a minute left. But then the Lakers rally back. Detroit lost the game after Dennis Rodman took the game-winning shot and Oof. missed. And here's the thing. That sounds like Dennis Rodman's error and he took it that way yeah. and the 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 way he he takes it the the what he does in response is one of the most brilliant basketball moves of all time but for the time being he he takes this shot and the actual error on that play wasn't his the person who threw him that pass had John Sally wide open mm -hmm. so you throw that ball to John Sally who's a fucking shooter yeah and not Dennis Rodman but they threw it to Dennis Rodman. He misses. They lose that game. Then they lose game seven in L.A. And Dennis Rodman is so scarred by this that he just stops. He just He's stops playing offense. He shows up to camp next year and is like, look, I want to work on fucking rebounding and defense and a Elbow little shit throwing. talking. Yeah. Uh, Can some, I take an improv class? Some elbowing. I want to learn how to hurt people. And I don't give a fuck about offense anymore. And you would think that that is a bad move, but it's brilliant. I mean, it is brilliant, especially because there were so many snipers on that team. Right. 
because they had Isaiah Thomas, who was one of the greatest outside shooters in history. Uh, you had Joey Dumars, right? I mean, those those two alone. Yeah, this is a, a quote from Pistons head coach Chuck Daly. He looked around the league and was smart enough to realize he'd never be enough of a scorer to take shots away from Bill Lambeer, Vinnie Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, and Joe Dumars. It was a brilliant decision. That yeah. is part of his quote also. Don't disagree. And it really is because it, that sets Dennis Rodman up for the rest of his career where you know exactly what you're going to get out of him, which is maybe six points a night, but you're also going like to get like 25 to 30 rebounds a night. Yeah, you're guaranteed to keep the ball. And then he even, if you read in the book, they talk about how not only did he just focus on rebounds, but because those other players they just mentioned were all really great defensive rebounders, he focused on offensive rebounds. Which that's... It's harder. That's, not only is it harder, but as important, if not more important. Well, yeah. Because like, it, it allows you, if you miss a shot, it allows you to reset yeah, and it, take it, another shot. It contains, it contains inside. The shot clock is reset. Like it gives you so much more control of the game. Like defensive rebounding is like an act of, it is a desperate act. If you really think about getting that ball in, but an offensive rebound is a way of, of continuing to control because you know, you got to stay out. I mean, for those that don't even like sports, which is you, because you don't even like, that's you. You don't even like sports. Um, When you're on offense, you can't stay under the hoop. No, that's a yeah. violation. You, right. you you can't spend more than three seconds under the hoop. So an offensive rebound is very hard to get. Right. So you have to have uh, basically very explosive movement right outside to be able to get in and up. And there was a really weird side effect to all of this in that because radiation poisoning. Yes. He has superpowers yeah. now. He uh, that season that following season where he decides I'm not playing offense anymore leads the league in field goal percentage Which makes sense. It makes sense because Dennis Rodman at this point in his career starts only shooting when it's very obvious he's going to make yeah. that shot. This is kind of like how the highest point totals in NFL are always kickers. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Like, of course that's the case. Yeah, yeah, a field like, goal kicker. Like every second or third time he's on the field, he's got a chance to score yeah. points. So that being said, with Dennis Rodman, it's like, yeah, if you're under the basket and all you got to do is just hop a little and literally just put the ball in the basket, it's it's a very candy from a baby situation. Yeah, and think about like how valuable it would be to have someone like that on your team. It's who's just good at that. It's like having the best catcher in major league baseball, right? Like it's just somebody who's going to help you control the entire game. Yeah. Guaranteed points under the, under the room. Not, I wanted to say rim, but it sounded like I said, <laughs> it sounded like you said under the room Yeah, <laughs> where your wife is buried. <laughs> guaranteed points under the rim an almost guaranteed, like higher percentage chance that you're getting the ball back. That's fucking insane. And probably do in no small part to that decision by Dennis Rodman. This is both the season where the Pistons are at their most dominant. They go 63 and 19 this season. And also it's the season where they really start embracing the bad boys image. Yeah, this is very much like, uh, to put it in wrestling perspective, they were the NWO. They were. wrestling, Or, you know, the the... Philadelphia Flyers of the 1970s. Um, just like a, a group of badass dudes. Yeah, they were mean. And like they practiced, like Dennis Rodman wasn't the only one. They practiced how to be effective at being dirty players. Bill Lambeer had a Super Nintendo game called Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball. <laughs> Bill Lambeer was a fucking menace. He was. He was an Ivy League menace too, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he looked like a state senator. Yeah. You know what he looked like? A fucking cop. He looked like a state trooper. Yeah. He yeah. looked like they just hired an abusive state trooper. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Lambeer wasn't videotaped beating opponent players, opposing <laughs> players with like a rubber hose. It's like a short length of hose, like a cop in the 30s. Yeah. They were a fascinating team, though. Like they were 
They were dicks. Like yep. they they were mean. I mean, you look like that Bad Boys documentary covers it way better than I think we can in this episode, but it's so fucking good. To to give you an idea of how dirty of a team they were because they near the end of their run, they start kind of whining about it a little bit and like mm, people call us dirty. It's like you got motherfuckers <laughs> waving Bad Boys flags yeah. at your games and your owner paid them to be there. Yeah, you're a Raiders team. Yeah. Like own yeah. it. And to give you an idea of how dirty of a team they were in during the 88, 89 season, they led the league in fines by a three to one margin. Yeah, buddy. $29,100 in fines during that season. The closest competitors, the trailblazers and pacers both had $10,500 in fines. So that seems kind of low, right? When I saw that number, I was like, well, the what? fines were probably smaller back yeah. then. It's eighties. Rick Mahorn alone racked up eleven thousand dollars in fines. So he had more fines than the Portland Trailblazers <laughs> entire team. They played the Bulls in the conference finals and played them dirty as shit. I love that we're hitting the point in this podcast where the narrative becomes Scotty Pippen getting the shit beat Scottie out of him Pippen. all the time. Scotty Pippen is a fucking magnet for fists in this fucking He he should file a class action lawsuit against, against the, the Detroit Pistons. He he gets the brakes beaten off of him. <laughs> it's it's fucking insane. It really is. It starts in these conference finals. Dennis Rodman one somehow managed to injure Scotty Pippen's arch with like a pipe. <laughs> it's beat him with a pipe when he's walking out. I mean, it's like Globetrotter. I picture Globetrotter levels of steel chair hitting, like wrestling, like yeah. wrestling, like throwing salt in his eyes and shit. At one point, Bill Lambeer elbowed Scottie Pippen in the cheekbone and knocked him unconscious for three minutes. Damn. <laughs> that is, that's a blow. And he took the shot, I bet. <laughs> Probably. And one. For me. <laughs> As a bonus. And That's then, so fucking brutal, by the way. Yeah, and it it's it's just the start of Scottie Pippen's troubles with the Detroit Pistons. Oh, no. Uh, but that year, they went to the NBA Finals, played the Lakers. Magic Johnson hurt his hamstring. Pistons sweep him four games to none. Dennis Literally Rodman. Beat him with brooms. Yeah. Dennis Rodman is now an NBA champion. The next season, he becomes an actual starter and wins Defensive Player of the Year. Sobs. When he gets that trophy, as he should go out, uh, we'll we'll he link put a to lot it. of Scottie Pippen's blood, sweat, and tears into <laughs> getting this this award. I'll put a link to it on the website if I can find it. But the video of him accepting that Defensive Player of the Year award is the sweetest thing. Like it he came just, with four watches. <laughs> yeah, he cries so much. It's uh pretty great. He's a coward. The Pistons won the championship again. They won back-to-back championships. But uh, that Bulls series, the Bulls pushed them to seven games. Uh, oh, good. So it was a good, clean, well-fought game. It it certainly was not. the But there were, there were no moments of Scottie Pippen brutality in that game seven. That was more Michael Jordan that they were beating up on. They play the Bulls again which, the which, next by year. the way, the Balls. Oh yeah. To like go out. That's like that's like taking out Gretzky. Oh yeah, definitely. Like Especially just, at that time. You just didn't do it. Yeah. The next season though, after they 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 win their second championship, that next season they play the Bulls again in the divisional round and lose in four games. Because this is the first Bulls championship team this is by like, this point. This is where it's like This is where they become the Bulls yeah. of the nineties. The Bulls. And once again, it's from TV, it is, is it doubles doubles. Scottie Pippen gets physically assaulted again. He gets hit by a car. He gets, he basically does get hit by a car with seven Oh three left in the second quarter of game four. Pippen gets fouled by Bill Lambeer. And then on his way down, Dennis Rodman just pushes him, just pushes. And Scottie Pippen goes flying into the stands Hits his fucking chin on a folding chair and has to get six stitches. Still to this day has a scar on his very prominent chin. That's why arenas need to follow my suggestion to have lazy boy recliners up front. That's very smart. That way, if a monster pushes another monster onto a chair, it's a nice little 
Nice little yeah. headrest. Fan just dies. Yeah. Well, yeah. sure. Yeah. They'll be hurt, but I want to do just one episode on the fucking fight. The the uh Malice at the Palace. Yes. That's fucking that that would be a fun episode. So yeah, Pippin ends up cutting his chin. He's got six stitches still. Also, near the end of the game, with the Bulls up 115 to 94, most of the Pistons just walked off the court and into the locker room during a timeout. That's shitty. It's shitty. But also, like, it's so baller. <laughs> like, it is, but it, it like, for a team that sold themselves as this group of badasses, it's just kind of depressing that they got so mopey and emo oh, at the end of their run. I like to think of it as them being disrespectful and not caring. That's why they would go away. Like, it was like a fuck you to the Bulls. It's like, yeah. we're not even going to, it's like letting them win by disqualification. We're like, we're not going to let you beat us. We're just going to fucking walk out. Yeah. But I mean, the most disrespectful thing you could have done to the Bulls was beat them or Kill, maybe, even, maybe even win one game, but they got swept and they were just being fucking haters about it. Sure. And the outcry over how the Pistons acted near the end of that series forces Dennis Rodman to publicly apologize to Scotty Pippen. Out like a big, uh, like you got on TV, big microphone thing. and By fax, actually. Oh, okay. That's he did the, it by fax. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the wave of the future. Fired off a fax to Scotty Pippen. To all of America. <laughs> and Scotty Pippen rejects his apology. Ooh, a good block for the Pippen. Yeah, denied. This is what Scottie Pippen said in response. I don't accept his apology because I don't believe Rodman really wrote the letter. It's probably something like, I don't accept his apology. (laughs) After listening to what he's been saying about the team and the organization for so long, and after what he did to me, it's hard to believe that he has changed completely all at once. That's right. Yeah. That's the correct. You have chosen wisely, Scott. At the end of the next season, something happens. Ooh. That really impacts Dennis Rodman's time. Scotty Pippen gets health insurance. In Detroit. Scotty Pippen buys a gun. A body. It's <laughs> in his fucking shorts the whole game. Here's the thing. Scotty Pippen did used to bring a gun to games because he when he was Chicago. playing, the Bulls, stayed, they were playing at the Rosemont Horizon. Nice. And, uh, woof, bad times. And driving. they've also shown that Pippen can get soft. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Dennis Rodman mugs Pippen outside. <laughs> that would have been the best. Dennis, mugs I him, know it's you. Mugs him on the court. Yeah. I don't have any money. Give me your shoes, man. It's fucking got a <laughs> pair of brass knuckles. Rob Jordan for his Jordans. <laughs> it's a hot uh, crime right now. What can I say? He's the originator. <laughs> so what happens at the end of the next season, the Pistons finish in third, get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, and head coach Chuck Daly resigns it's which is weird it's like i mean they've made it to the playoffs it it, the the disintegration of this team ends up hitting a lot of people really hard isaiah thomas doesn't take it well and there was this whole shady situation where they had this assistant coach that the owner liked a lot and he had left to go take a coaching job with the miami heat and in the middle of the season while chuck daly is still the head coach the owner brings that guy back and makes him the Pistons color commentary guy. Mm. But then when Chuck Daly resigns near the end of the season, that guy becomes head coach. So the whole team had this feeling that, oh, this guy was just here like hovering, waiting for Chuck Daly to quit so he could move into his job. And so no one fucking liked him and especially Dennis Rodman. But Dennis Rodman took this shockingly hard. I'm not shocked by it. Well, yeah, it's it's when compared to how other NBA players would react to something like this, because a coach leaving isn't the biggest deal. It happens yeah. quite a bit. But Dennis Rodman loved a father figure, and he saw Chuck Daly as a father figure. And he loved that George Michael song, Father Figure. It's a great song. Who wouldn't? It's a synergy right there. Right there. And so uh, this is a quote from the book. Dennis went through what a child goes through in a divorce. He was terribly broken up by it. It's very rare in this day and age for a player to love his coach. But whenever Dennis was around Chuck, he felt good. Yeah. And here's a quote from Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly's like, confirmed. Yeah. I was like a father figure, I'm sure. 
There is probably a sense of abandonment on his part because I left the area. And I think there were so many other changes that he lost a lot of people he felt comfortable with. Yeah. So it's all kind of a shady end. And uh, he kind of just starts being a dick. He starts really being what we think of as the classic Rodman. Right. He treated the Pistons like they were Scottie Pippen. Kind of. Yeah. The Pipstons. He just he just sort of starts acting up, missing practices and around this time, his personal life gets a little crazy also, because during his rookie season, he started a relationship with a California model named Anika Bakes. And this relationship was so crazy that at one point there was a People magazine profile about Dennis Rodman, uh, where Anika Bakes talked about how he owed a bunch of child support and he was abusive and just kind of a shitty person in general. And then after all of that, they end up getting married in 1992. Well, she's the one that wrote worse than he says he is. Yeah. Like the story passed bad as I want to be. Right. And it's pretty damning. I'm sure it is. But the one of the, the things that was mentioned around this time, like they get married and it lasts 82 days and presumably like just enough to go around the world. Yeah. <laughs> and they, the argument is kind of, they're both pretty nuts Yeah, and they should not have gotten married. They probably shouldn't have been in a relationship as long as they were. And then this famous incident happens where apparently to get back at Dennis Rodman for his infidelity, his philandering ways, his philandering, if you will, Rodman out of philander, but you <laughs> can't take the philander out of Rodman. Rodman. She fucked one of his teammates. Yeah. You know who that was. That was my man, VJ. Vinny Johnson. Vinny is, Johnson. That is rumored to be who the teammate was. So Dennis Rodman ends up like the next season. He at first refuses to even show up. He says he's too depressed from his divorce, but it all leads to this incident that we're getting shades of. Shades, shades of, of the last show. Shades of Conseco here. Yeah. But Shades of Conseco. Oh no. Is such a perfect <laughs> phrase. I would watch an HGTV show called Shades, Shades of Conseco. So right here we're gonna we're gonna use a trowel. We're gonna, gonna put it on gonna and on your house. Bricks. We're gonna put these down and we're gonna throw them <laughs> at our neighbor. <laughs> at the beginning of the book, as bad as I wanna be, it opens with this story about Dennis Rodman sitting in in his truck at the Pistons practice facility parking lot, or I think actually at the stadium or the arena where they mm -hmm. play. And he's got a shotgun in his hand and he's contemplating suicide. And it's funny because at first you're like, yeah, it's weird. And then you're like, oh, that's happened in sports. Right. But it also might not be true. Mm -hmm. As it turns out, what actually happened was there was a friend who called the police because he was worried about how Dennis Rodman was behaving. And he said, also, I can't find a shotgun. There was apparently a shotgun in the house. Mm -hmm. And the police were told to be on the lookout for Dennis Rodman's truck. And it's finally located. Do you think in Detroit, the police needed to be told to be on the lookout for a black man driving a truck? <laughs> Probably not. I feel like they were like, oh yeah, we always do that. Yeah, that's all we do. Yeah. It's finally located in the cop who spoke to him first refutes the notion that he was holding a gun first time ever yeah that a cop said that a black guy was not <laughs> holding a gun exactly he says uh the gun was in the back of the truck not even in the cabin in a baby seat <laughs> yeah Strap. baby was holding the in. holding the gun and the theory about what happened is that his friend made that call and dennis rodman just kind of played along with it for attention when he found out what was happening. Yeah, I'm half and half on this. Yeah. Because it's also, it's Dennis Rodman, Shades of Conseco. So the attention is there. But also, it tracks that he would have those thoughts. Yeah, it like, doesn't change the fact that a friend called the police and said they were worried about how he yeah. was acting. So to be to be like, mm, I'm not so sure he was suicidal. It's like, well, his friend called the cops because he seemed suicidal and stole his gun. Right, but he didn't steal his gun. It was oh. Dennis Rodman's gun. Oh, Den oh, Dennis's gun was missing. But it was just missing. And it turned out that it was in a gun rack on the back of the truck. So it wasn't, when they found him, he wasn't holding the gun like he claimed, which. He was holding the whole gun rack. Yeah. <laughs> he, was holding six, the, he was holding six guns. He was holding the truck. 
and it's it's suggested that the the truth might be more along the lines of he went to the gym from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. that day and did not want to risk going home and sleeping in and missing practice and getting fined. So he slept in his car in he, he went directly to the arena, slept in his car and assumed his trainer would wake him up on the way in. So who knows? In a way, he kind of does kill himself outside. That's the thing. As he, a metaphor. As a metaphor. Who here likes metaphors? Yeah, he takes this uh, story and later on runs with it and claims that this is the moment where he decided to kill the person he was. Which was Scotty Pippen. Which was Scotty Pippen. He killed him with an elbow to the face and decided to become the more flamboyant Dennis Rodman we have since come to know. The Rod Man. The Rod Man. And I don't know. Like, it's it's hard to hear someone tell a story like that and be like, that didn't happen. Yeah, because it sounds like it could. But, of course, you do sort of feed your own legend, especially if you're selling a book. Right. But at the same time, the evidence is there that you could say, here's the proof. And you're like, well, okay. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like, yeah, you are different. You did change right around here. You did have the gun and you, you had the, maybe that. Yeah. But also at the same time, like if somebody, if we found out tomorrow that Dennis Rodman committed suicide, we wouldn't be like, oh my God, why? Yeah. It like, wouldn't be a shocking. Be like, oh yeah, that tracks not that i want dennis no. rodman to commit suicide I, he's obviously. one of the last people on the planet that i want but who else is going to take out scotty pippen if he goes rogue? <laughs> exactly yeah i don't i just uh yeah if it happened i'd be like oh, yeah that sure makes sense for dennis rodman bummer and yeah he more was shades of conseco there yeah mm. and he either way he was very bummed out and stressed out by this point despite He's making tons of money. He's still a great player. He's still winning rebounding titles and defensive player of the year awards. Uh, he's still excelling on the court he, when he plays. He's a he's an anomaly oh, yeah. of, of defensive basketball. And then he's like, bye, bitch. And then that's kind of how his time in Detroit ends. He There were still like 30 games left in the season by that point. And Chuck Daly actually heard about this incident and came to town to talk to Dennis Rod or he was actually as luck would have it was in town the Nets were playing the Pistons and he was he's, coaching the New Jersey Nets he plays for the Nets now yeah he's he's uh, in incredible shape for being in his 70s is he even still alive Chuck Daly I would say no let's find out I hope Dennis didn't take it too hard if he's not no no 2009 there yeah. it is well yeah. I rest, mean, he rest lived, in peace, Chuck. Yeah, he, Chuck Daly. He, he was a good, almost eighty years. Yeah, he had a good run. So yeah, the by this point, Dennis Rodman is excelling as an NBA player. He's won a couple championships. He's got all these accolades, but his head coach just left. He doesn't like the new coach. He's very unhappy. His personal life is spinning out of control. One of his teammates porked his wife. One of his teammates fucked his wife, which is very unfortunate. My wife. My wife. Think he high-fived him after? Nice. Very nice. And uh, that's where this episode and that's where his time in Detroit ends. And Poor guy. Then he goes to the Spurs. Don't be spurred. Which, that's when flamboyant Rodman really starts coming out. In the famously accepting area of San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, like I I didn't realize his time with Madonna was while he was with the Spurs. Man, what an what an answer to David Robinson. Yeah. Because David Robinson was like folding people's fitted sheets for them in San Antonio. Like Yeah, he had to go to the Navy for four years before he could play basketball. Yeah. Fucking Admiral. Nerd. Yeah, he's a real nerd. <laughs> the Spurs are a team of nerds forever. They are. I've always hated the Spurs. I hate their boring brand of basketball. Their sweet, sweet chess passes. Yeah. I don't want to watch fundamentals for 48 minutes. Yeah, they're like, it's like watching really good 50s basketball. <laughs> and that's the team Dennis Rodman ends up on next. And this conservative, straight-laced team in San Antonio. And here comes Dennis Rodman. Here he comes. And he's just killed off his old self 
and he's going to be the new Dennis Rodman. The Spurs, Dennis Rodman. He's going to wear actual Spurs. Which, keep in mind, Dennis Rodman already kind of a loose cannon by this point in his career, as he had proven several times. But uh, he really kicks that aspect of things up a whole lot when he goes to San Antonio. Yeah, he kicks it like a photographer's nuts. <laughs> Did that, that happened in Chicago. Chicago, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That photographer. It's on him. Yeah. Don't be there taking photos if you don't want your nuts mashed in by a monster. Exactly. So that's our sode, I think. That's a sode. Do we have any final thoughts? Um, I would say if you have a chance after you listen to this and you have the time and you can watch the 30 for 30 on the Detroit Pistons, I would. It's an interesting insight to the team dynamic that can then give you an interesting insight into Dennis. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely. worth your two and a half hours or whatever. It's, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, they were a fascinating team. Uh, it, it is interesting that you see his drive because the last last episode we focused a lot on other people trying to get him to realize his potential. This is the episode where he realizes his potential and we see it sort of being rewarded through his drive. Right. So this is really, I think, where we see the building of Dennis Rodman, the basketball star. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to see the building of Dennis Rodman, the personality. The personality. And then eventually he ends up on the Bulls, and Scottie Pippen is finally safe. That we know of. Keep Ish. your friends close. Yeah, Keep exactly. Friends. <laughs> it was a sting. <laughs> I'm finally close. <laughs> he was like an a, operative. Like all stabs got a Pippen. He was still a Detroit Piston. Paul Pierce got stabbed. <laughs> he sure did. Let's he do got, an episode about that. He got pierced. <laughs> Paul got pierced. Uh, oh. I remember in college, a girl walked by with a number 34 jersey, and I looked at my friend, and I was like, we should stab her. Because <laughs> it was Paul Pierce. Uh, anyway, uh, next we got, uh, we got like a uh, real big time, big time, big, big time. Yeah, what big are time. we? Are we talking about San Antonio next? I mean, yeah, but how long do you think we're going to have to talk about San Antonio? Yeah, we really got to get to the Bulls. Yeah, that's. I, th- I have a feeling that we're going to get San Antonio for about six to eight minutes, and then we're going to go to the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, and actually, I have the next episode listed as the greatest team of all time. Yeah, because the yeah, Spurs. His time with the Spurs is interesting, mostly in that it's where it's where he starts coloring his hair a, a different color every week. Which that's so cool. Yeah, it was pretty interesting but yeah in short order he goes from the spurs to the bulls and then woof made made a young illinois boy very happy for three years in a row who's that that was me jeff i don't know him it was me yeah dennis rodman he was he was with the spurs when houston won those two championships Ew, gross uh so yeah all right that's our episode you don't even like sports you don't even like sports you know, you don't like basketball. Jose, what about you? What's up, Jose Canseco here? You don't even like sports. All right. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, thanks, Jose. Yes way, Jose. Get out of here, buddy. <laughs> hey, get out of here, buddy. <laughs> so nice. Get off our podcast. Uh, what do you got to plug, Adam? Oh, you know, we're going to be announcing tour dates soon. What, 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 We're touring with Noriega and the Neptunes. This is a graveyard. Of a superstar. They're opening. They're opening. Noriega's opening for us. Then we're going to come out and bring the room down with some comedy. They got Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May <laughs> in the Philippines. That's such a good song. Whoever the producer, it was uh, Pharrell, right? It was the Neptunes, yeah. yeah. So good. So good. What do you got to plug? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of 80s Madonna lately, getting ready for the uh, Madonna episode of uh, this thematic we can only do shows about people that may or may not have fucked madonna exactly yeah warren Beatty cast madonna uh, we'll talk about on next episode yeah we will uh well uh you got uh, sideshow sideshow is every other tuesday through sideshow collectibles uh tom and jeff watch batman uh is uh every wednesday with me and tom ryman on gamefully unemployed uh mint on card is the second friday of every month at blast from the past on beautiful magnolia in burbank california and uh check us out some of us we got we got some live shows coming maybe don't maybe don't check it out check them out maybe baby don't check it out all right check them out should we get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of here jeff say goodbye bye goodbye everybody bye bye unpopular (laughs) 